Hey, welcome back to This Week in Marketing. Today, I've got a special guest, Monica Carr, Orange County, California. Listen to this. 61 transactions closed and pending last year, $82 million in volume, coming mostly from her database and her geographic farm. And today, I want to have you bridge the connection between your database and farming because it's all about relationship marketing. So Monica, welcome to the show. Hey, Tom, how are you? Thanks for having me. What a pleasure. <laughs> oh, Monica, thank you so much. I mean, you know, I, I anyone that's watching right now, if you're on YouTube, you can probably go to another video that Monica did a few years ago that has 720,000 views where she talked about a little of this farming stuff as well. But Monica, this is a show that's designed to go hard-hitting, fast-paced, snackable. So I want to talk about geographic farming tactically. So the first question I have for you is, you know, how did you select your geographic farm? So Tom, it really came from your advice at the very first summit that I attended in 2011. You did a segment about farming and you talked about choosing a farm that had a six to 8% turnover. Yep. Uh, so actually how to be strategic. So I studied the MLS. I looked at the numbers. I looked at the turnover and I chose the farm based on those numbers. And also another thing in, in the, that really struck home with me was you, you said something that was door knockable, something yes. small enough that you could, because sometimes I think if you bite off more than you can chew, it's hard to go deep in the farm. The money doesn't allow you to do that. So right. I picked a small farm in the beginning, uh, 400 homes, a gated community, door knockable, um, easy to mail to, easy to reach out to people. And I think that's the advice I would give to anybody starting off um, instead of trying to start because my initial farming tactics when I first got in the business didn't work. I was trying to bite off a much bigger farm, 3,000 homes as yes. a brand agent, and it, was, it just isn't manageable. So picking a farm that's manageable, that has the turnover to sustain the production that you want. So if you were talking to somebody today and, you know, you and I, you know, talked off camera about how many homes are on the market or in this case, not on the market. If an agent was looking today to try and select a farm, it's going to be hard for them to see anything with 68% annual turnover. So what advice would you recommend? Do they go back to historical data, their own, their own transactions? What do you recommend? Absolutely. In fact, that's what I did when I chose my farm. I didn't just look at the last year. I literally went back five years because I wanted to see the trend because it, the markets ebb and flow and there's movement. But I think it, the bigger the picture you have this year is just so myopic. It'd be a mistake right. to look at the last 12 months. So yep. you got to go back further. I love it. Thank you for that great insight. So, so Monica, today your farm is how large? So we have 400 homes in that farm. We've adopted an adjacent farm that's 236 homes. And with the prodding of my coach and my broker and you, we are expanding our farms to include some more adjacent areas this year because we've done the production. We've done almost 2 million in GCI from 636 homes. That's pretty incredible. So, so someone at me is going to say, what's your average sales price? Million five, two million? 1.3 is our average sale price. Okay. Last year, it was about a million. So that's how fast the market's moved, right? It's obviously carried the prices up. Um, right. But we have farms that are bread and butter for Irvine, California. It's, mm -hmm. you know, it was four to 600. Now it's 800 to a million. Um, and then the higher end in my farm goes beyond 2 million, two, 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 three, up to maybe two, five. Love but it. average is one, three. So I appreciate that. So for context, we're going to talk right now for the listener about basically marketing, open houses, community events, ways that you go deeper. 
Um, but I think it's important for people to understand first and foremost, what's your market share in these farms? I mean, I, I know it bounces, you know, year over year because only so many people are moving at a given time, but give us a range of, of your market dominance. So, and I think this is very telling. Pre-COVID, we had a market share as high as 78% in, in our farms, be, between 57 and 78%. But a lot of our farming is toe-to-toe, face-to-face, events, door knocking. So COVID really um, put a damper on that. And although we continued with our mailing, I feel like we lost a little bit of touch with the farm. Um, so as soon as last year we were able to put on masks and go in the farm and the community was craving the events again and we started doing them, the market shares shot up again. And now we're, we're roughly between 35 and 40% market share. Love it. So I think it's such a great distinction, especially for some of our veteran friends that are maybe listening like, oh, I used to farm, but then COVID just, you know, I stopped doing all the things that had got me there. So let's talk about those things. So today, you know, it's this sense of like, we're back and whether we're wearing a mask or gloves or a hazmat suit, like whatever it takes, right? Like making our customers feel comfortable. Talk to us about marketing, open houses and community events. If I'm living in your farm, tell us all the things that we're going to experience with you in a year. Okay. So Tom, our, my biggest thing was creating a sense of community. Cause I actually moved into the farm. That was my dream at the time. And I lived there and I did notice that people are very private and they're working hard. They come home from work, they close the garage. So I want to create a sense of community. So what we started doing is we started hosting an ice cream truck in the park. The last Friday of every month, I would pay an ice cream truck to come circle around the park, playing the music like when I was a kid and we used to chase the ice cream truck. And, and I would put out invitations and door hangers and we would it put magnets out at the beginning of the year with save the date. And those magnets would stay on the fridge all year. And the kids were the ones pulling the parents out of the house to come get free ice cream on Friday after school. And we still do that. We do it every month from March to October. Um, that's one of my favorite events. I've picked up as many as four listing appointments standing at the ice cream truck because people know I'm going to be there. So they'll literally wait until an ice cream truck to come tell me they want to sell their house. And then on top of that, we do quarterly events. So we'll do a movie night in the park event, um, which is a blast. We have face painters and balloon artists, and we sponsor a, a Disney or a Pixar movie that's family friendly. And we'll do a photo booth and all of it literally is just to give back and create a sense of community for everybody. We'll have the in and out truck there and it's all complimentary. I pay for it all. I mean, I'll spend, you know, anywhere from five to eight grand on these events. Um, but the reward and the return is priceless because I get a chance to literally get in, you know, into community with the neighbors and they the kids run up and hug me and I've got pictures of the same little boy in my farm year over year and we're doing the back-to-back -back photo where he's now going to be almost taller than me and he started out way down here so you know I want them to think Monica Carr when they think homes community whether they need to move sell buy rent I want to be top of mind for that and those events are huge and then obviously we do at Christmas we do Santa in the park um, we do our cookie tin delivery, annual cookie tin, which by the way, in December, we dropped over 900 cookies, right? About 900 probably. Um, and I will tell you within 30 days, we had five listings from that face-to-face -face connection at the door with the cookies. So I haven't abandoned what got me here, which is the face-to-face -face and the door knocking, which 
for me is a big deal because that's where I connect with the families. Um, but then we we sprinkle in all the other stuff. And as far as open houses go, we're very known in our farm for our twilight yes. open houses. We do sushi, sake, and sweets events. And so every, you know, if I if I launch a new listing, Wednesday's broker preview, Thursday we'll do the twilight open house. And we really do that for the neighbors. So they yeah. can come see the house. Everybody can be a looky-loo and they're invited to come be a looky-loo. And I get a chance to have wine with them or sake or sushi or just, you know, shoot the shit and talk about the market and or talk about their kids or what's happening in the community. So it really brings it down to a personal level. And that's where, where our business is coming from. You know what I love, Monica? First of all, you unpacked that so beautifully. And I can just imagine the person right now that literally was pausing and writing, pausing and writing. And then looking at like Katie over here on my team, who's like smiling like, I want to go to that Twilight Open House, right? Like sushi, uh, sushi, sake, et cetera. Yeah, we so, make it fun. One thing I wanted to add, please. I almost forgot, and this is really important. So we we leverage these events to get emails because you said something you. at an event years ago about focusing on your past client and your sphere. And for me, that is my farm is one yep. leg of that. Um, and I know having the emails, being able to reach them via email. I mean, we'll spend thousands of dollars on mailers that just get chunked in the trash and email is free. And right. so what we do when they come to the sushi events, when they come to the ice cream truck events, when they come and they're trained, I mean, our clients and our, our homeowners will come up and say, I live at one, two, three banana street. And my email is X. And so we have a binder. And when they walk up, they tell us their address. We walk, we flip to that page, that street. Okay. Is this still your email address? Great. We have like 80% of the emails in our farm. Wow. Which is huge. So wow. We, and then with John on our team, as of last year, he's an amazing, he does an email marketing campaign every Saturday morning. Um, and we played with it. We did it on Friday. We did it on Saturday. We have a much better open rate uh, right now. Our open rate is what? 40, 40% open rate. Outstanding. Um, and, and that's pretty good. We're hoping to get a little bit higher than that, but, but we're learning as we go. So that's been a huge leverage the events to connect with people and get their contact information so that you have a way to reach out to them when you have something of value for them. So I want to just be clear. What I heard is, you know, obviously, you know, the like entire sort of spring through fall, you're doing one Friday a month ice cream, right? Yeah. So we're, we're this is like Glenda Baker would be happy. We're killing them with food, right? And then you do multiple movie nights in the park. That sounds like a summertime thing. And then you do the cookie delivery at the end of the year, right? Someone right now is listening going, what's going on with Ferry? We've been talking about digital and Jason Pantana and reels and, you know, your Google My Business page. But isn't it beautiful? It's the old and the new together. So talk about on the digital side. You started to go down the, the channel of email. You're sending an email once a month. What am I receiving? Is that once for your entire database or, or yeah, sorry, once a week for your entire database or just for your farm? So we actually hit the entire database and the farm. So the farm is part of that. And they get our, you know, we do our market update report. So yep. Stephen Thomas does a great job here in Orange County of keeping yep. everybody abreast of the market. We send that out. People love it. They open it. If we have new listings coming soon, we may send the floor plans, say, hey, you know, check out these new properties that are coming up. Um, you know, so that they have a chance to see inventory and be able to maybe get in line, right? As these homes are getting prepped to go on the market. And then typically we'll do video. We start with a video of the week, whether it's me yeah. doing a market update or me giving a past client experience and interview with somebody. So we try to do a short little video at the top so that people will open it and click on it and, and be involved. So, so I'm on your email list and I remember being uh, back in Orange County, 
I don't know, eight or nine months ago and literally texting you and saying, your video game and email marketing is on point. What advice do you have for someone that's listening who we, you and I both know a weekly email with all the other campaigns we're doing is how you stay top of mind and it's free. What other tips have you found to be most effective with email marketing, whether it's subject line or video first versus non-video Saturday versus Friday? Give us some more insight there. Well, thanks to John. He's the one sending out the emails and the videos and he looks at the data, right? So he's always studying the trends and what's getting, what people are clicking on. He can literally see what they're clicking on in the email so that we know do more of that. And when we started putting the floor plans on our coming soons, that was a game changer. People want to see what, I mean, a picture of a house is great, but they can tell by a floor plan if it's going to work or not. And, and so things like that have been really good. And the marketing update as well. A lot of people seem to be clicking on that. They want to see what's happening and the videos are getting watched. And I try to put it in little bite size under 60 seconds, if we can, uh, just a quick snippet of what's happening in the market. And then obviously the editing that John does is great, makes it, keeps it involved, you know, people involved. And Tom, you know me, I was very slow to embrace the video. Um, technology was not my, cause I am a toe to toe person. I love yep. the, the connection with people. And I, I, I realize it's not, how do I do it? It's who do I hire to do that? Because that's not Bingo. what I do, right? Bingo. That's not what I'm good at. So go in an entirely different direction with us and share with us, cause you've been farming since 2011, share with us the mistakes to avoid knowing what you know now. Hey, do not do these three things, five things, one thing, whatever it is. Well, I would say the, the, I actually got in the business back in 2004 and I yeah. tried farming then and I bit off a farm that was way too big. Um, so I didn't have the budget to mail consistently um, I didn't have the pieces outlined in advance, so I didn't have a system. It was kind of hit or miss, and it was a catastrophe. You know, when you're slow and steady, you win the race. So if you have to, you know, scale back the farm, start with 400, get that manageable, then you can grow to 600, 800, 1,000, 1,500 as the budget feeds itself because the, the turnover in the production will then start paying for the events. I didn't do events my first year. You know, yeah. I did cookie tins and I did door knocking. I did the sweat equity stuff. But the, at the end of the first year, when I realized, okay, I've, you know, made $150,000 in this one farm. Now I can take a portion of this and invest it in the next year's marketing. And so having a budget for that and just planning for the events. So, you know, what you're going to do throughout the year in advance. So like in January, we met with the HOA boards of the farms so that we could get their buy-in. We presented our proposals. I attend the board meeting. I, you know, we, we let them know what we're doing, why we want to do it. And they're very cooperative and that helps. Uh, the right. first year we didn't do it that way and we got slapped on the wrist. So I learned like, that's a great, a board, that's a great insight. Yeah. yeah. If you've got a board and, and the other thing I had the first year we did hot dogs and we literally had rented one of those hot dog, you know, burnt things from our party central or something. And somebody complained that we were selling food and we were that we had food anyway. So we, now we do food trucks that are licensed. We don't handle the yeah. food. We don't do it picnic yeah. style. Like we just, we delegate that and, and get people that everyone's going to love like in and out truck. Who doesn't love that? Right. So, so the first big one I heard is like maybe not looking at the data, biting off too many homes, making it manageable. And then once you start creating some revenue and I loved all the sweat equity stuff, cause you and I both know at the end of the day, if you're willing to, Hey, I'm Monica, right? That goes a long way. Like making phone calls to your database versus just sending an email goes a long way. Um, 
But then I loved how you said, and then, hey, I generated $150,000. I'm now going to take a slug of that and reinvest it back into the farm. And I think that for people is the key. So what would you say to the person that's like, you've heard it before at one of the events. I'm going to walk up. Oh my God, Monica, you know, I saw your video on Tom's YouTube channel. You're so amazing, you know, but I started a farm and it didn't work. What do you say to them? Well, I would ask them what they did, right? Because I think the key is what is the turnover there? Because if I was farming somewhere that had 1% turnover, because everybody loved living there and wanted to be carried out in a box, (laughs) as they like to say, then that's not going to work. So I think you have to, it's, it's kind of math in the beginning, right? Like look at the areas you're considering. And, you know, sometimes everybody wants to sell the big expensive houses, but those don't always churn. Sometimes it's the bread and butter, the condos, the tri-levels that people buy and they're like, oh, I lived here two years and all these stairs, I need out. And those are very lucrative churning farms. So if you're looking for, and then it's nice to have move up farms where you can take buyers, sellers that are selling the tri-levels that now want a detached condo and then the detached condos want the driveway in the backyard. And if you've got something in each price point, then you can dominate because a lot of times you can make matches among your farm with before things even hit the market. That is so insightful. And every, every great geo farmer says the same exact thing. So Monica, for the people that want to reach you, what's the best way for them to reach out if they got more questions about all things farming? Absolutely. Well, obviously you can reach me on Instagram at Monica Carr. Um, my email is Monica at Monica Carr.com. And uh, my phone number is 714-402-4212. Well, you've said that a few times. That was good. All right. Well, Monica, thank you so much. And hey, this is This Week in Marketing. Our job is to bring you the tools and the strategies and the marketing that works. You decide which ones you're going to implement. I think this one is a no-brainer. Thanks, Monica. Thanks, Tom. 